All right, well, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, uh, our sermon passage this morning is uh, from verses 15 to 19 of Romans chapter 6. We've been making our way through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings, and uh, we have come to this passage that causes us to ask uh, maybe perhaps a surprising question. Are you a slave? Now, don't answer that question too quickly, right? Uh, Are you a slave? Uh, We don't like to think about slavery, and certainly don't like to think of ourselves um, as slaves, but uh, the Bible has um, a little bit different perspective on uh, how we should think of ourselves in terms of slavery, as we'll see in this passage. Um, Obviously, the Bible... Uh, does not promote uh, the kind of slavery we normally think of, right, where men enslave other men. Uh, Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 7 uh, to uh, believers in Corinth, you know, you were bought with a price, do not become slaves of men. So we don't want to be slaves. The Bible does not promote slavery. But it does talk about uh, both people's relationship to sin and people's relationship to God in terms of slavery, uh, especially here in Romans chapter 6. And so we want to see what the Bible has to say about that, think about why the Bible uses that kind of language, and see what it has to say to us about how we should think about ourselves and how we should live our lives as followers of Christ. So let me read for us Romans 6, verses 15 to 19. It says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So you can see in those verses, or just listening to those verses, that slavery is the main image that Paul uses both to talk about believers and unbelievers in these verses. Now, again, at some level, that's a little disturbing for us, right? Because most of our thoughts uh, about slavery are negative, right? We want to think about freedom. We don't want to think about slavery. But let me read to you um, what one... A Bible teacher said about why Paul uses this image of slavery here uh, that'll hopefully help us as we work through this passage. Here's what he says. He says, Paul is aware that the figure of slavery is unworthy, inadequate, and apt to be grievously misleading as a way of indicating the believer's relation to God. Hence his apology in verse 19, where he says, I'm speaking in human terms. But, he says, in spite of the fact that in so many respects it is altogether inappropriate, he cannot dispense with it 
because it does express the total belongingness, total obligation, and total accountability which characterizes the life under grace with a vigor and vividness which no other image seems able to equal. So in other words, he's saying Paul uses this image of slavery not because he thinks it's the perfect image, because it's not. It's apt to be misunderstood, he says. It's easy to um, you know, sort of distort what Paul is trying to say if we lean into this slavery image in the wrong way. But at the same time, he does use it because there is no other relationship that so captures what it means to belong wholly and totally to God. Now, if you still say, I just don't think that I can think of myself in those terms or think of my relationship to God in terms of slavery, think about how Paul begins the letter to the Romans. When he introduces himself in verse 1, he refers to himself as Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And that word that almost all of our English translations translate as servant is the same word Paul uses here in Romans chapter 6 that's translated as slavery. So Paul calls himself a slave of Christ. That's how he refers to himself. And so when he's talking to us about our relationship to God in terms of slavery, he's not putting on us something he's not comfortable embracing himself. It's something he has embraced himself and has even said at the beginning of the letter, this is true of me. I am a bondservant. I am a slave of Christ. And the reason, part of the reason why he says that is because, as he shows us in verses 15 and 16, all of us are slaves of someone or something. Right? He raises this question in verse 15. He just said that we're, if you're a Christian, you're not under the law anymore. Now you're under grace. And he knows some people are going to hear that and say, great, if we're under grace, that means we get all the forgiveness and pardon and everything we need. So we can just sin, right? Paul says, no, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Why shouldn't we think that way? Why shouldn't we live that way? Why shouldn't we say, I've been given a, you know, sort of a get out of jail free card by Jesus and my sins have been paid for and so why shouldn't I just go on sinning? Well, there are lots of reasons why that's not a good way to think about what Jesus has done for you, right? For one thing, that belittles his sacrifice. But another reason Paul gives us here in verse 16 is that whatever you give yourselves to, whatever you obey, whatever you uh, sort of um, align your life with, you become slaves of whatever that is. He says in verse 16, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? And he says it could be sin that you're a slave to, or it could be obedience to God that you're a slave to. But either way, you're going to be a slave of something. Right? So we mentioned, uh, I think last week, that Bob Dylan song, right? Everybody's going to serve somebody. It's true. Everybody has a master. Everybody serves someone. Everybody is a slave to something. Right? And we, uh, we don't like to think of it in these terms, but this is how the Bible describes it. Uh, Paul has said earlier in this chapter that before we were saved, we were slaves of sin. Part of what Jesus' death has accomplished for us is he has set us free from that slavery to sin. 
Right? But before we were saved, we were enslaved to sin. We didn't have a choice, really, about sin. And we're still held accountable for it, but we weren't able to do anything else. Right? That was part of our nature. Right? We, didn't, we couldn't please God. We couldn't obey God. Right? Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him, the Bible says. And Paul has laid out for us in Romans chapter 3, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one seeks after God. No one, we've all turned aside, gone our own way. All of us were following the prince of the power of the air. All of us were following our sinful passions and desires. Before we met Christ, we were, we were captive to sin. And only through the death of Jesus could we be set free. And so Paul says, if you give yourselves to sin again now, after you've been set free, you're just putting yourself back into slavery. Right? Now, if we sort of dial down the imagery a little bit, right, and, and, and look at something a little bit less weighty, we all know um, that we serve various things. Um, we become slaves of all kinds of things in our lives, right? If you decide, you know, that you're going to watch a certain TV show, right, you got to be on the couch at the right time every day, every week to watch that show. Or you got to record it and watch it before somebody spoils it for you on social media and tells you what happened. Right? Or if you're going to watch baseball or football or whatever, I mean, there are people out there spending tons of money trying to convince you you can't miss a single football game. Right? Or you're going to be a, the loser at work who doesn't know what's going on. And what happens? You think, you know what freedom looks like? Freedom looks like watching all the football I want. But it is actually a form of slavery. Right? We, we become enslaved to television. We become enslaved to sports. We become enslaved to social media. Right? I'm not saying that in sinful terms. I'm just saying in terms of our actions, we, we get bound to those things. Right? And so Paul's saying what's true on that sort of more or less neutral level in some ways is true on the more significant level of whether you're sinning or whether you're obeying God. Whichever one of those you're doing, whichever one of those you are directing your life towards, you become a slave of one of those. Your life is either devoted to sin or it's devoted to obedience to God. And you've got to be careful about which one of those you pick because each one of those is a path that leads to a different destination. Right, in the middle of verse uh, 6, he says, You are uh, slaves of the one whom you, I mean, verse 16, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So if you give yourself to sin, we know what the wages of sin are. Right? The wages of sin is death. But if you give yourself to obedience, obedience leads to righteousness, both practical righteousness. And, um, you know, being, uh, standing before the Lord and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, because you did my will. Um, So if you want to end up on the path to death, you know which way to go, right? But if you want the path that leads to righteousness in life, Paul says you can't give yourself to sin and then expect to be righteous and enjoy the life that God has promised to those who trust Him and who follow Him. But if you knew somebody who wanted to go on a trip to Chicago, but when they uh, got on the road, instead of looking at the map and finding the roads that go to Chicago, they just said, I like the look of that road. That road looks like fun. I'm going to take that road. And then 
after they went down that road for a while, they said, you know, I feel like turning left. And just that, look, you know, that's a pleasant place. To, you're never going to get where you're going, right? You cannot choose what you do now based on what looks most appealing. You have to choose what you do now based on where you want to end up. Right? Paul's saying you cannot take these paths of sin because they look appealing and they look enticing and they, they promise you freedom. You can't take those paths of sin and then think you're going to end up with righteousness and life and joy and peace. That's not how it works. Do not give yourself to sin or you will become sin's slave and you will have to eat sin's fruit, which is death. Instead, give yourself to righteousness. Yes, it is a form of slavery, but it's the only kind of slavery that actually delivers on the promise of freedom. So he says in verse 17, um, he's already said we're all slaves. In verse 17 and 18, he says, if you're in Christ, you are a slave of righteousness. Right? He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So this is what happened when you were converted. right? If you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, this is what happened when you were converted. You were a slave of sin. Your life was dominated by sin. The way that you lived your life, even if you weren't you know, one of those people who has a dramatic testimony about all the horrible things you were doing before you came to Jesus, even if you don't have that kind of testimony, you were still a rebel against God. You were still going your own way, doing your own thing. You were still living a life characterized by sin, even if it wasn't the sort of more dramatic, more outwardly shocking kind. There's also the... Um, more respectable, but no less disturbing, uh, pharisaical kind, where you look righteous on the outside, but on the inside, you're just all about you and not about God. Whichever one it was, Paul says, when you were converted, what happened was you had been a slave of sin, but you were set free from sin in Christ, and you have become slaves of righteousness. Now your life is oriented toward and devoted toward uh, obeying God, doing what is righteous, doing what is good. And that happened when you became obedient from the heart, not just outwardly or not just you know, saying this is true, but from the heart you became obedient to what he calls here the standard of teaching, which just means the gospel in all of its fullness, right? That, Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sin. He rose again on the third day. You turn from your sin. You trust Jesus. You call Him Lord. And He saves you. And you are now devoted to following Him. That's the, the sort of the sum of the teaching of the apostles and of Jesus Himself. When you became obedient, Paul says, to that standard of teaching, when you signed up for that, and you said, I'm tired of pretending like I'm Lord. I now know that Jesus is Lord. I submit to him and I ask him for mercy. When that happened, he says, you were set free from sin and you became slaves of righteousness. So if you're not a Christian, right, this, this is the, the core of what the Bible is about and of what we who are Christians believe. It's all about what Jesus has done in our place to set us free from sin, to give us new life. And we don't have to earn it, and you can't deserve it. You just have to recognize your need for it and call out to Jesus, and He will save you, and He will change you, and He will set you free from sin and forgive you of your sin. That's what He has done for us. 
But in doing that, Paul says, he has also made us slaves of righteousness. Now, if that still sounds like something you don't really want to sign up for, let me try another illustration to see if this will, will help. Okay, Maybe when you were about to get married, and you told somebody, you know, I'm engaged now, I'm about to get married, maybe somebody elbowed you in the ribs and said, ah, oh, you're putting on the old ball and chain, huh? You know, and if you were excited about getting married, you might have sort of, you know, pushed back against that. Hey, no, this is going to be great, right? I'm, I want to get married. I'm, this is not prison. And it's not, but it is, right? <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. Marriage is, a, is something that takes away certain freedoms, and gives other ones. When you get married, there are things you can't do anymore that you used to do. You can't, you're not in control of your own time, your own schedule, your own habits anymore. You have to mesh those with the person that you have now become one flesh with. You, your freedom has been severely limited. Right? You're stuck in this thing, for good or for ill, right? That's what we promise, for, till death do us part. But inside of that imprisonment, inside of that slavery, there is a kind of freedom that you cannot experience anywhere else. There is a level of friendship and intimacy that you can develop with that person that you're married to that you cannot experience in any other relationship. That, I think, is what Paul is trying to get out with the, get out with the image of slavery and our relationship to God. We've been set free from sin, right? It's a glorious freedom, but it's also a slavery that we have been adopted into. We are now bound to obey God. There's certain things that we did before we were saved that we're not free to do anymore. But we're glad to not be free to do them anymore, right? Just like you're glad not to be single anymore. You're glad to be married. You're happy to be with your spouse. You have limited your freedoms, but you have gained new ones. In the same way, we've been set free from sin. We've become slaves of righteousness, ultimately slaves to God. There are things we have, been, have given up. There are things now that we are bound to do that we have no choice about doing, but we want to do them. We want to be slaves of righteousness because in that slavery to God, there is a kind of freedom that we've never known before and could not experience anywhere else. So don't let the slavery image be only a negative. It's a, it's a realistic picture. Right? When you say Jesus is Lord, there are certain things now that you have to do. And certain things that you can't do. But do you really want to do those things anymore? And aren't the things you have to do, the things that deep down when you're thinking straight and your life is right, you really want to do? Yeah. So it is slavery, but it's a good slavery. Last thing he says in verse 19 is that this slavery to righteousness leads to our sanctification. And this is something that we ought to lean into, that we ought to press into, that we ought to pursue, right? What does this mean? 
practically. So the middle of verse 19, he says, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I remember one preacher talking about it like this. He said, before you were saved, depending on what kind of you know, non-Christian you were, depending on how rowdy your life was, uh, there might have been a time in your life where the, your whole week was spent plotting and planning ways you could get into trouble, ways that you could sin, right? ways that you could pursue those fleeting pleasures of sin that the Bible talks about. What Paul is saying is there was a time when you gave yourself to that stuff. You worked at finding ways to do those kind of things, to satisfying those sinful cravings. Now that you've been set free from that and become a slave to righteousness, now you give yourselves to the things that please God like you used to give yourself to the things that displeased God. So now you plot and plan and, you know, Change your schedule where you can meet with other Christians on Sunday morning and hear the Bible and sing songs of worship to the Lord and have times of prayer so that you can confess your sin and you can receive encouragement. You don't take that sort of haphazardly. You lean into that. You think about ways you can show hospitality. Think about ways that you can love your neighbors. You give yourself to doing things that are right and good and righteous. Because as he says there at the end, when you now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. The way that we become more like Jesus is we lean into the obedience that we signed up for when we said Jesus is Lord. If you fight against that, and you try to give yourself back to sin again, your sanctification is going to be a slow process. But if you lean into doing what God has called you to do, doing the things that God has commanded, doing the things that Jesus modeled for us, and Paul says what that leads to is a a greater and greater uh, growth in holiness and godliness and Christ-likeness. And that's what we want, right? Now, we want it and we don't want it sometimes. And Paul's going to kind of talk about that in Romans chapter 7, how divided we are and how there's this conflict going inside, on inside of us. And some days we want to do what's right and some days we don't. And even when we don't, we, we want to deep down, but it's a, it's a struggle, right? So not saying that it's easy. Right? If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have to tell us to do it. We would just all do it by default. But he exhorts us and encourages us here to lean into this slavery because in this slavery is real freedom. In this slavery to righteousness, this slavery to God is where we find joy and peace because this is what we were made for. We were made to obey Him. We were made to follow Him. We were made to trust Him. We were made to walk in in His ways. So we're to devote ourselves to that and not be lured away by the false promise of freedom that sin tempts us with, right? We know where that road leads. We've been down it before. So don't buy those false promises. Trust God, trust His Word, and be glad 
to be a slave of righteousness, a slave of God, because that's where real freedom is found.